Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. Episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today we have a fun podcast episode ahead of us breaking down the Auburn recruiting class, a little bit of basketball information, all that good stuff. Um, For those that don't know, Auburn ended up finishing the early signing period at number seven uh, with the overall class coming in, um, which is good for, I believe, fourth in the SEC, headlined by guys like Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, the two five-star wide receivers, both from Alabama that came into this class and really, you know, are the the headliners got it going as well as some surprises that happened on signing day. We'll get into all that later. But before we get into, you know, the the nitty-gritty of the the signing class, Wheeler, why don't you give us your just your kind of thoughts on how this recruiting class panned out going into this year? Did you think that this recruiting class had a chance to become top 10 and when did you kind of get to that excited feel of it? Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely you could see a top 10 class coming. I think the the day that you started to feel good about Auburn signing a good class would have been Big Cat Weekend when Perry Thompson commits and Cam Coleman is responding on, uh, I guess it was his Instagram Live where he was saying, you know, wait on me, even though he's committed to Texas a and I think you felt good. You already had Demarcus Riddick at that point. You already had, uh, obviously, Perry commit that day. You were able to get, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, the guy who's coming up from Tuskegee, Joseph Phillips. Being able to flip him, he was a guy that, you know, Georgia really wanted. So that's another guy that I feel like that that early part is when you started to feel good about the recruiting class. I think when Jimbo got fired and you realized Cam Coleman is a serious possibility of coming to play at Auburn, and him joining the class, you were like, okay, this is really going to be a a good class. You know, I think some people were a little bit almost, I don't want to say disappointed, but a little bit disappointed in the class and the fact that there weren't a lot of fireworks on signing day. And I think that that's a good thing. I, I don't think that you want a ton of fireworks on signing day. I think at least getting one big-time player to flip to you on signing day, not having anybody flip away from you. Um, is a testament to what the staff was able to do. And I think you still have, what, one more that you're waiting to hear from in Ryan Williams. Um, Cohen Eccles was another guy that Auburn felt good about for a little while, um, and he's kind of moved on and committed to LSU, which I think when he did his visit, everybody was pretty convinced that he was going to end up at LSU. So overall, really good class. You know, we were talking about this, last night at dinner and uh you were saying that i get too high on recruiting classes and saying that you're just not convinced that this is the answer i think that the fact that you're a top seven class right now 
before you get Ryan Williams. I, I'm not sure that Ryan Williams necessarily moves you up in the rankings that much. Um, and I, the, the thing also that you really want to look at that makes me happy about this class is it's not a top seven class like Miami. Okay, Miami, I think it's five right now in the 24-7 rankings, but they're five in the 24-7 rankings because they have like 29 commits. Auburn, if you look at where they are based off of the average star rating, they're even higher rated than seven. Okay, so we're getting a lot of quality people. Um, You also were saying the other day that you didn't think that this was one of the better classes that Auburn has signed, and I guess we'll kind of get into that. I didn't think it was the best. But yeah, no, and and I, I I don't know. I think you have to wait and see how things play out. I think the reason people are saying that this is the best class is a lot of times when you ha- you sign a high signing class, you're going to have an elite running back in the signing class, maybe two. Okay, this is rare for Auburn where you have guys, you have multiple guys at the positions where multiple guys play. All right, so it's not a bunch of different quarterbacks who only one of them is going to play. It's not a bunch of different running backs who only one is going to carry the ball. You're signing receivers who you're going to have three or four on the field at a time that are going to open things up for everybody else, and you're signing linebackers. Those are kind of the two power positions that you're seeing in this class, and those are both positions where you're going to have two, three guys on the field every time. And so you see the future coming of, hey – Overall, talent-wise, when you sign six dudes who are your best six in the class, if all six of them can play, that's a game-changer. Mm-hmm. Instead of they rotate in and out and they're always on the field, if you have six of the dudes always on the field, then you can change the program a lot faster with receivers and linebackers than you can with, say, getting a bunch of quarterbacks or getting a bunch of, you know, even edge rushers. I mean, you're not going to have that many – situations these linebackers are going to be able to play on any down same with these receivers um you'd like to have and you did get a good edge a couple of good edge rushers but you didn't get that carl lawson that is kind of the crown jewel in your class who's the edge rusher yeah and i think you know just kind of going in you 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 don't want to forget you know you don't want to forget what other classes have done obviously auburn's 2013 class having three five stars on the defensive line signing i mean that's that's big like that's that's big stuff and i do think that having two five-star wide receivers is huge having guys like malcolm simmons and bryce kane who are both in the top 160 that's huge and you know you, you see all the freeze five stuff whether they get ryan williams or not which i personally am leaning more on the not uh, the receiver class is great. You know, you're, you're going to realistically, you're probably going to start Cam and Perry year one. I think that that, you know, the other spots you've got, you know, Simmons, Kane, uh, Lewis from, from Georgia State transferring in. And then you got, you know, a guy like Caleb Burton that's going to be returning to the room that really started coming on later in the season as kind of the number one receiving option. You still have Rivaldo Fairweather. But I, I do think that you're going to see a lot of new faces starting in that wide receiver room. And that's big. It really is changing kind of from the offense. The one thing that I think that people have to keep in mind is for an offense to be good, there are so many pieces that go into it. And yes, receivers are important. Yes, running backs are important. Yes, offensive line is important. At the end of the day, the quarterback is the most most important position on the field. Walker White was a good sign, you know, top 100 player. 
Uh, Clemson really wanted him, you know, ranked as the seventh best quarterback in the class. That's a good pickup. You know, hopefully he'll be the QB of the future. And I think that that's what Hugh Freeze and company planned on happening. Seems like Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy going into next season. And, you know, that, that kind of transitions, we'll, we'll move into that a little bit later, but the question of who's going to throw it to him, you know, and who's going to be that guy that gets them the ball. But moving forward, moving, you know, we'll go back into the receivers when we talk about kind of the, the offense and all that a little bit later. But you move into the defense, and I think that Amaris Williams is the biggest pickup of this signing class. I think that, you, you know, obviously Cam is going to be a star. Perry's going to be a star. Amaris Williams is a guy that I don't really think is getting a lot of hype because he is the third highest rated recruit in this class. Having, you know, he's two spots away from a five-star. Having a five-star defensive lineman is really big. Five-star defensive lineman play year one. Like, this is going to be a guy that is going to be playing next year. And realistically, like, this is your Carl Lawson type guy. I think Carl was 24 when he was when he was a recruit. So he is was 10 spots total ahead of Amaris Williams. But you you have a guy like this who can just really play. And having a good defensive line is, in my opinion, the most important position on the field. I think that a good defensive line covers up everything on your defense. You can have average linebackers and an average secondary. If you have a really good defensive line, it does not matter. Your defense is going to be good. So that I think that guy, getting guys like Amaris Williams, getting guys like Jamonta Waller, that that is the what really gets me excited in a class like this is seeing really highly rated defensive linemen. You're pairing them up with Keldrick Falk, who got a lot of playing time as a freshman, and then also you have, like you mentioned earlier, Demarcus Riddick, Joseph Phillips as your linebackers. Defensively, I think this is a strong class. I don't think there was the the secondary was not quite as exciting, in my opinion. I think that that was something that has kind of been attended to in the two previous signing classes that have been more secondary heavy. And realistically, I think that the backups in the secondary are going to step into the the starting role pretty well next season. You're going to have a lot of young, a lot of young players on this defense going forward. And I think that defensively, I'm much more excited about what this class brought than offensively. And that's not me saying that, you know, I don't love the offensive guys that committed, but I, I, I am still worried about how the offense will look moving forward. Because I think defensively, you realize the defensive line is going to be a massive question mark going into next season. Secondary will be fine. Linebackers will be fine. The D-line has to be better, but you know that with the numbers coming in, the D-line will be fine for years to come. And I think offensively is where that really, really, you don't know that for sure. You know, like I think that's what makes me the most cautiously optimistic about this class is how difficult it is to have sure things on offense. And and I think that's something that Auburn fans really have not had really since 2017, having a, a consistent offense that, you know, can score against good teams. So either where, where does that where do you kind of sit with that? And I, I you know, I, I think I'm being a little pessimistic about this, obviously. You always. Know, really excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm always going to be a little bit more, you know, pessimistic when when everyone's high and a little bit more optimistic when everyone's low. But you, obviously, Cam Coleman's a stud. Perry Thompson's a stud. You got guys like that. Returning a couple starters on the offensive line, the offensive line unit should be very similar. Still waiting, awaiting Jarquez's decision after the bowl game. Damari will be back. You know, where do you see this offense being led under Peyton Thorne with these new additions? You know, I think 
that you're going to see a lot of the same offense. I don't think that the offense changes that much under the new guys. I think that it just works. Because what you wanted to do last year was you wanted to throw the ball just so that you could run the ball. Like that, that was the purpose of throwing the ball for Auburn last year. You were not trying to be a dynamic throwing team. You're not trying to become the air raid. And I still think that Hugh is not going to try and be the air raid. If you watch what was happening at Ole Miss, Hugh didn't want to sling the ball around all the time. And when you have Peyton Thorne, you have a guy who is going to be someone who can throw the ball to really good targets, make good decisions, and get you in the right play. Okay? that That's what you're trying to get. Noble's raising his eyebrows and saying, you know, maybe maybe that's not exactly what you get out of him. Well, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but can he? And I, I think that, that that is a fair question after the season that we just watched. I think that Hugh Freeze, though, defended him well in his press conference in saying, if you look at what he did when he had NFL-quality receivers when he was at Michigan State and then he had an NFL-quality running back, he was very effective. He had his best season, and he was not the reason that Michigan State was bad. Okay? Like, Michigan State would not have gone any further if they had had a little bit better quarterback, I don't think. Like he he was not the the restricting factor for him, and he's not going to be the restricting factor for this Auburn offense. That's why we're not trying to go and get a portal quarterback because there's not a lot of guys. I think that this year you might have had one guy that was in the portal that you really are like, okay, head and shoulders, he is significantly better than Peyton Thorne in terms of what he could do to win games or lose games. Um, and I think that that was Riley Leonard coming out from Duke. Outside of that, you look at who's winning football games. I think that that was what Hugh said his number one thing is. First thing before he turns on the tape of somebody, he says, what was their record when they were the starting quarterback at a school? Because what the record is when you're the starting quarterback at a school typically indicates how you played. Now, this year, Peyton Thorne was 6-6 six and six as the starting quarterback. That's not a great reflection on him. However... Would you say that we had the worst receiving core in the Power Five? I mean, you could make the argument. There, there weren't a lot of games that I watched on TV this year that I thought, man, I'm really glad that we have the receiving core that we have because these guys suck. I always thought these guys kind of look like us. If I thought that they suck, so you you have a quarterback who has shown that he's successful in college. He doesn't get worse, and you didn't see Peyton Thorne do anything this year that made him look worse. In fact. If anything, as the season went on, I thought that Peyton Thorne was actually playing really well. There were a lot of games where Peyton Thorne was playing well. He was making the right decisions as to whether to run, whether to throw, but his guys just wouldn't catch the ball. The Iron Bowl, okay? Let's just look at one game. He had a pass to the back of the end zone, and it was a dime of a pass. Great throw. Great throw right through the receiver's hands, hits him in the face mask, okay? That's not his fault. There were a ton of plays in the Iron Bowl that Peyton Thorne made with his legs and a ton of plays that he made with his arm that the receiver didn't finish the play. Okay, you could say that we win that game. You could think back to the Georgia game. Peyton Thorne had a fantastic game against Georgia. Peyton Thorne did not do anything against Georgia that made us lose that game. Right? And 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 there was nothing that he could do better because the receivers had no separation. And so he got it done with his legs. I think that he showed that he's an effective player, but he needs playmakers around him. He's not necessarily the biggest playmaker you're going to see on the field, but he is enough of a playmaker that he can get you 10 wins. He can get you to the playoff in a 12-team playoff. I think the problem is 
when when kind of going back, and this is something that I disagree with Hugh when he said that he looks at wins. You know that that's all great on paper. You can look at USC this season. What they won seven games, maybe eight. I think it was seven. But nobody, and I mean nobody, would rather have Peyton Thorne over Caleb Williams, right? Well, yeah. Would you Caleb, agree with that? Well, Caleb Williams won more games. Okay, he won seven games. Okay, he won seven games. Yeah. Peyton Thorne won six. The saying that that's a one game difference, Caleb Williams is significantly better than one game over Peyton Thorne. And I think everyone would yeah. agree with that. And I think that teams are a or wins are a team stat, not a QB stat. And to give Peyton Thorne credit for, you know, uh, Freeze was talking about how, you know, he's one of the winningest returning starters in the FBS. Just like you're saying, and I and I agree with you, just like saying, hey, it's not fair to say, well, the six losses Auburn had this season are on Peyton Thorne. It's also not fair to say that the 10 wins that he had in 2021 were also on Peyton Thorne. Right, but it, if you are – it's kind of the opposite, in my opinion. Like, it, it's a strong indicator. If you win 10 games, it's a strong indicator on your quarterback. There are very few teams that have just a really bad quarterback that should not be an FBS starter that go and win 10 games. You can go win six games and have a really bad quarterback. The Caleb Williams example is an anomaly. In most cases, you don't have elite quarterbacks that go and win seven games. Think of another quarterback that you've seen that's won seven games that you considered elite that went on to be a top five draft pick. Uh, seven, I don't know exactly what UNC won this year, but they didn't. I mean, they weren't that – they didn't have that good of a record. Drake May's a great quarterback. I mean, I think that a lot of the time you'll have a great quarterback, but you might not have the right pieces around them. Just like, obviously, this year Auburn did not have great pieces around Peyton Thorne, and that contributed to some losses. I think that it's fair to say with Alabama, Peyton Thorne did have one or two plays where you really, you know, you, you can definitely tell he really wanted those throws back because, you know, he made a you know that one throw to Rivaldo. That Rivaldo, it was a drop by Rivaldo, but the throw could have been much better. But then you have the plays to Javaris in the end zone where it's like, all right, he catches that, we win the game. Peyton Thorne plays good enough to win. Same with Georgia. I felt like Peyton Thorne played good enough to win that game. But then you also have games like Texas A&M. You have games like New Mexico State where it's like, you know, the quarterback's not doing enough to win the game. And I think that that is what the biggest concern going into next year is, is I'm not saying can Peyton Thorne be all right. Is is Peyton Thorne a and – and I understand what Hugh Freeze is doing. I, I completely get it. And, and realistically, I think it's the right move. But I do think that there is reason to be cautious that Peyton Thorne might not be – just a gunslinger next year and I don't think Peyton Thorne will be any better next year than he is this year I think he'll be the exact same player I think he'll just have better guys around him and I think that you'll see you know performances like you saw against Vanderbilt and Arkansas you know like he he played all right in those games but he also had a couple turnovers and probably should have had more turnovers than he did and I think that that's something that people have to keep in mind going into next year that even though you're going to have Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, that doesn't prevent Peyton Thorne from still making the same decisions he made this year when he made the wrong decision and threw a pick. Is Peyton Thorne appreciably worse than 2018 Jarrett Stidham, in your opinion? Yes. It, oh, really? I, I, I think I think Jarrett Stidham, even in 2018, was an NFL quarterback. I think Peyton Thorne could be an NFL quarterback. A backup. Backup, let me say that. He could be a backup NFL quarterback. He he could not start in the NFL, but heck, Jarrett hadn't started in the NFL either. I think that Jarrett Stidham and Peyton Thorne are on the same level. I really do. I think that if you put Peyton Thorne behind the offensive line and gave him the receivers that Jarrett Stidham had, then 
they look very similar. If anything, Peyton's a better runner than Jarrett. I think Peyton's a better runner. I think Jarrett can throw it a little bit better. Or, honestly, I think it's just Jarrett makes better decisions than Peyton does. He's not going to turn the ball over as much. No, we, we can agree on that. But regardless, so Peyton Thorne being the starter, you know, unless some random top-tier quarterback enters the portal that no one expected and Auburn jumps on him, which probably won't happen, in all likelihood Peyton Thorne will be the starter again next year, grooming what I think is an interesting QB battle and what you'll have Holden Gariner coming in, you know, Robbie's in the portal. You'll have Holden as the backup. You'll have, in all likelihood, Walker White, I would hope, can beat out Hank Brown year one to be the third string, you would hope. And so you have Walker White, in all likelihood, will redshirt. Then you've got probably Peyton Thorne next year, and then Holden versus Walker White for 2025. How do you see the future of the QB room looking past next year do you think that walker white or holden is going to be the guy or do you think that auburn will be back in search of another transfer portal quarterback after thorne finishes up his eligibility i think all indications are the the hope is that walker white is the quarterback or holden i i don't think that he thinks holden's gonna get it done i mean clearly he doesn't think that holden is the guy because think about how bad Robbie Ashford was. There was a rumor that Robbie Ashford left the team and he still got to play before Holden got into the game. Like Holden, Holden's not the future. Unless something just drastically changes, Holden is not the future of Auburn football. Walker White is he's he has put all his eggs into the Walker White basket. He feels good about him. And the thing is, the way Walker White plays is just like Peyton. That is what Hugh likes. That's what Bo Wallace was. Hugh does not want a gunslinger quarterback who's just unpredictable. Hugh wants to run the offense, and he wants the receivers and the running backs to have the ball in their hand and for them to go and make the plays. He wants somebody that looks at the defense, says, this is what we need to do. They run the RPO, and the quarterback makes the right decision about whether to hand it off, keep it, or pass the ball. That's what Hugh wants. He has never had the guy – I mean, if you think that in all these years – he couldn't have gone and gotten a really athletic quarterback. The only time that he ever did was with Malik Willis when he was at Liberty. And Malik Willis at Liberty is a cheat code. Okay, They don't make those in the SEC, hardly ever, where the guy is just head and shoulders faster than everybody else on the field. You see, he convinced people, he convinced the NFL from what he was able to do that he is an elite quarterback. And then he goes to the NFL and he looks just like he did at Auburn, where he is just miserable. He's just, he can't throw the ball when he's playing against guys that are as fast as he is. And he honestly can't run the ball that well when he's playing against guys who are as fast as he is. And so the only time that you ever see Hugh go get a true dual threat guy that is just a burner who's going to go and run is Malik Willis. That That is not the model that he wants. And so that's what you look at from Walker White. You look at, hey, can he make good decisions? And I think that's the problem with Holden right now. We say that <clears throat> Peyton has a lot of turnovers. Holden, I think, just holds on to the ball. From everything I've heard, he holds on to the ball and he gets overwhelmed by the choices, and then he gets sacked. And that's not what you want either. And so I think the plan is for it to be Walker White. I think if Walker is not it, then you look at the transfer portal. But he said multiple times he wants to build this from the high school ranks. You have Peyton for another year. He'll be there to teach. He's going to be the quarterback next year. And I think that if Holden has much of a chance at all to be the quarterback next year, you'll see him play this game. You'll see him play against Maryland because, I mean, what nobody cares if you win or lose to Maryland. I mean, I guess some people care. But <clears throat> it 
if you throw Holden out there and he is just terrible, then you know, okay, when he's playing a game, this is what he looks like. And hopefully not the awful situations that he typically gets thrown into. So I think that we'll know from the bowl game what the thought is, but you don't hear him mention Holden competing with Peyton almost ever. No. And you would think that if he thought that there was a serious threat that Holden was going to leave, or if he was really concerned that, I mean, it may be that he thinks Holden might leave and he's just not concerned about it because he doesn't feel like Walker White and Hank Brown can't step into the role that Holden has is thrown at pro day. So I think that it's, it's pretty well certain that it's going to be Peyton Thorne. Uh, I think Walker White would like for it to be a competition in year one, but I just don't foresee that being the case. No, and realistically, I think that Peyton Thorne, the 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 bright side, the the best side, in my opinion, of having Peyton Thorne be the guy next year is that you have Walker White come in, and he's going to learn under someone who has played college football for four years, I think. This is going to be his fifth year. You know, he's been starting. This is, I think, his, it'll be his fourth year as a starting quarterback. Like, he's going to be he's going to be a guy that can teach Walker how to play college football. He's going to teach him how to be a leader. And, you know, Peyton Thorne, you know, you can say everyone can say what you want about how, you know, his performance on the field. Nobody can doubt his heart. I mean, he he plays with a he plays with fire. He will lower his shoulder against a linebacker that's going to the NFL. He's going to play to the final whistle, no matter what the score is. Even if he's hurt, yes. you can tell that he has yes. hurt himself, and he is still lowering his shoulder. And he co- comes in as a transfer and as a team captain. Yeah, do you know that's how impressive. hard it is to come in and as a transfer and be a team captain on a team like that? He has a lot of intangibles. He is a guy that you want to teach your future quarterback in Walker White. Like, the situation is a good situation. And I truly think he's a good quarterback. I, I think that he is not going to be the limiting factor for the team next year. I think the offensive line is going to – or the both lines of scrimmage are going to be the limiting factors for the team next year. Neither here nor there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that Peyton Thorne is – the ideal guy that you want to teach a young guy. I mean, he he is he's everything that you want in a quarterback when it comes to off the field stuff. And you know, he can he will be able to teach Walker White things. He is a good enough quarterback that he can teach a guy. You know, this is you know advice, footwork stuff, all that good stuff. So I will say, having Peyton Thorne back for the you know, there's definitely a portion of the fan base that is saying. We can make the playoffs with Peyton Thorne. I don't know if I'm quite there. He he made the playoff. He if it was a 12 team playoff, his team made the playoff when he was at Michigan State. That is true, but that yeah. Michigan State roster was better than what Auburn's got coming in next year. In I think my I think top to bottom though the receiving room we don't know what the receiving. That's are true. Yeah, we, we I mean yeah if if Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson come in and they're playing like elite players then yeah it changes the perception. It is yeah. difficult to rank what a freshman will be. I completely give you that. I, I think that there is a percentage of the fan base that thinks that Peyton Thorne will lead Auburn to the playoffs. There's a percentage of the fan base that thinks we're going to go six and six again next year. And I think that I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that Peyton Thorne is fully capable of winning nine games as a starter, maybe 10. I think that Peyton Thorne, I agree with you. I don't think he will be the reason that we lose three to four games. He might be the reason we lose one or two that, you know, and, yeah. and you'll take that ultimately I think but you don't go waste two million dollars. No, I, I do agree with chess that. for one game, maybe two. And I don't think that Auburn is a playoff team with Cam Ward. 
I no. really don't. I, and and even if you are, you're not a championship team with Cam Ward. Yeah. And Cam Ward's the best guy in the portal. I, I think Cam Ward is better than Riley Leonard, personally. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but, but basically what we're seeing is Hugh thinks if we really get lucky and all these freshmen go off, we might be able to make the playoff. But I want to make the playoff the next year and have yeah. the foundation. I don't need a bunch of one-year rentals because – there's not enough talent on the team right now that's a guarantee that it's worth the investment into one-year rentals. Yeah, but when you've got, you know, maybe when you have, you know, sophomore Cam Coleman, sophomore Perry Thompson, and their second year starting, you have a defensive line that's got, you know, a junior Keldrick Falk who might be, you know, a NFL pro- – he probably will be an NFL prospect at that point. You have a Morris Williams in his second year. That's when you're starting to get to the, all right – this the defense is going to be good. The offense is going to be good. We might be able to have something here. So I, I do agree with with Hugh Freeze's mindset in here. I think that he knows after the whole Harson fiasco that Auburn knows that they have to have a guy to build a program. And Hugh is doing it on the recruiting trail. He needs to win games next year. But if obviously twenty twenty five recruiting is looking really good right now, if he has another top ten class, wins eight to nine games, he'll be fine. And then the twenty, you know the 2024, I guess, will be, or no, 2025 will be the, all right, prove it. This is when you need to win a lot of games. You got the players, you have the foundation. This one, you have to have it. Hugh Freeze is going to have that time and we'll just see where he goes with it. But kind of shifting back to the recruiting class, obviously, you know, Cam Perry have gotten a lot of hype. They've been getting all the hype deservedly. So elite players, you know, the first time Auburn's gotten a five-star wide receiver since Ben Obamanu, I believe. So, obviously, these guys are going to be studs. Huge wins on the recruiting trail. Huge wins for momentum. But getting a little deeper into this class, Wheeler, give give me a guy where you're just really excited about that's not getting as much hype. People aren't talking about him as much. But this is a guy that you think, when it's all said and done, might be one of the most notable guys from this class. Well, I mean, I think it's hard to say that Demarcus Riddick is a guy that's not getting as much hype. But honestly, he commits to Auburn over Georgia on his mom's birthday. Everybody on Twitter is high on him for a day. And then you don't see him mentioned again because he shuts down his recruitment. He's not going on visits to Georgia. He's not going to Tuscaloosa. He's not pretending to put a Bama hat on. Dude just comes to work. Dude comes in and does bowl practice. Okay. He is a high level recruit and he's coming in and he's doing bowl practice. He is going to be a big time player at Auburn. I think he is the guy that I'm most excited about out of this entire class. That's not, you know, the big flashy name or a big flashy position. Like he is a guy that's coming in, he's doing the work. He is going to be big time. I, I've, I'm really excited about him. Also about Joseph Phillips. I think he's a little bit underrated. Auburn fans might remember the Trey Williams, uh, Deshaun Davis, linebacker class Mm -hmm. coming in. And DeMarcus is almost the Trey Williams out of that, out of that bunch, a little bit bigger of a guy, a little bit higher rated just because of his size. And then Joseph, he's still taller than uh, Davis was because Davis was like 5'11 and Joseph is like 6'2". But still, the undersized of the two, not as highly recruited, but still a really, really good talent and a really, really good college football player. So those are the two that I'm really excited about in the class. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the the Demarcus Riddick train. I I, I really like Riddick, and that was something that kind of kind of annoyed me when you know there was that whole Twitter movement. 
you know, everyone was the night before signing day was, you know, hats off to the guy that started us off and everyone was getting hype about Perry. And don't, don't take this as me saying that Perry is not, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm really glad that we got Perry watched his documentary. Like I I did all that. The guy's a great player. Love what he brings to Auburn. He's going to be a really good player. Demarcus Riddick committed before he did. Demarcus Riddick was the crown jewel of the class for a few days before Big Cat Weekend. And flipping a guy from Georgia is arguably bigger. You know, like flipping a big-time guy, a five-star linebacker from Georgia is arguably bigger than flipping one from – I mean, we've we've flipped a couple guys from from Alabama. We've won a couple of those recruiting battles recently. I mean, shoot, Harson flipped a guy from Alabama. Like – you know, uh, he never played, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, he flipped a guy from Alabama, and I think that Georgia's the the team where it's like, you know, you're a you're a linebacker wanting to go to Georgia. It's kind of the same thing, like you know, Bama's been putting wide receivers in the NFL like it's nothing. Georgia's been putting linebackers in the NFL like it's nothing. Even going back to the Mark Rick days, like Demarcus Riddick coming to Auburn, absolutely huge. He gets really two springs before his his freshman season even though Auburn's linebacker room is I mean returning a lot of guys I I think DeMarcus Riddick's going to play a lot I mean I think he's going to be Owen Papo level impact where he might not be the best guy in the room but he's going to play a lot of snaps as a freshman I I'm really really high about DeMarcus Riddick and then obviously DeAndre Carter you know one of the 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 highest rated offensive linemen he signed in this class Four star from modern day. This guy's a stud. I mean, he's he's massive. Been playing. I mean, I don't know how many of the of the listeners know much about modern day football, but I mean, they are consistently the number one to two to three high school in the country for football. I mean, this guy's been playing. This guy's been playing low level college football for three years, and that's what I was gonna say. A freshman from modern day is almost like getting an upperclassman out of the transfer portal. Like, th- this guy has not been playing us. You know, yeah. like, it's not like traditional high school football where, like, you got one guy that's going to the SEC and then you have two dudes that are going to be doing a podcast about them for the yeah. rest of their life. Like, it, th- th- these guys are, like, all going to play somewhere. Yeah. That He's playing against real athletes the entire time. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, he's – I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he'll play early. Um, might be a rotational guy freshman year. Auburn's going to have a lot of four to fifth year seniors on the on the line uh, this year, which is always nice having a lot of experience on that offensive line. Um, but before we, you know, th- that kind of wraps up our recruiting talk. Before we 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 sign off, we'll have another podcast in a couple of days, really detailing the game a little bit more. But you know, it's it's Christmas Eve, six days. Auburn will play Maryland in the Music City Bowl. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa has opted out of that game, so you're going to be going up against a backup. Scared. They haven't. Scared. Really, yeah, they they Scared. haven't. They haven't really played backups as much. You don't really have anything to watch on film, and I think that Auburn fans are either expecting a guy that can't hit the broad side of a barn, or we're going to see a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe situation, and we're going to see the greatest quarterback ever. But either just kind of give us, you know, a quick. We'll talk for five minutes about what Maryland brings and kind of what you think about how that that Maryland uh, game is going to work out. Well, I know in Auburn's history, this guy is going to have a career day. He's just going to eviscerate us. Uh, but for real, he'll probably have a really good first uh, possession when it's the scripted drives and stuff, and then I expect to see it kind of get clipped down. Um, other than that with Maryland, I don't know, because who watches Maryland football? 
Nobody watches Maryland football except for us when they play in the Music City Bowl. And that's why we got to get these recruits so we don't play teams that nobody watches in bowl games. We can play actual football teams that people have heard of and care about. This is like playing New Mexico State again, except for they have Under Armour instead of, I don't even know, do they have Russell Athletic over at New Mexico State? Also, should we bring that guy in as a quarterback? He should replace Robbie. Diego Pavia? Pavia, the little man. He needs to come in and be on Auburn's team next time so that we can beat the little duffer games and he can have another career day. Maybe we should take out Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne can start all conference games, and Diego can start all the games against the group of five teams. How that way that we, we can ensure that we have the quarterback that's best suited for each matchup. I love it. Let's do it. No, but regardless, you know, the, the Maryland matchup, it's going to be, I mean, it, it's kind of like you said. It's it's very similar, I think, to the Purdue matchup in 2018 in the Music City Bowl. Another team that nobody watches. Which, you know, and to be fair, that Purdue team did beat Ohio State that year. But they, I mean, it, Tyler Trent beat that Ohio State that year. Okay, that Purdue team, we all know, they caught lightning in a bottle, had a magical night, and they were terrible for the rest of the season. They were. Maryland does not have that marquee win. Maryland is a team that, I mean, this they is suck. Just, yeah, they're, they're they're not that good. This is a team that Auburn should be should beat. But this is a bowl game, and we saw you know everyone the other night was watching Gus Malzahn and UCF blow it against Georgia Tech. You know, is that still Auburn? I mean, all, Brian Harson only played in one bowl game, lost to Houston. Gus Malzahn played in a lot of bowl games and just did not just didn't, didn't win care. a whole lot. It, Hugh wins his bowl games though. Yeah, yeah, you know, and Hugh Hugh does have a good a good reputation as a bowl game. I I don't know. A, a lot of people don't care about bowl games. I, I I agree. I like to see new guys play. I like to see all that stuff. I don't care about how you look in a bowl game, but I do like to win the bowl game. And I think that you watch the bowl game, and you can say that you don't care. But when the ball gets kicked off, we have no DB. You care? No, we're 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 still gonna have K and Lee, who is. I mean, Kay and Lee is well. He's going to be dog. the starter next year. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the the whole secondary next year is going to be the starting secondary that's playing in the bowl game. So we're, we're going to have a lot of looks with that. Nick Morner might even play that receiver. He might. He <laughs> might. You know, before he, he enters the portal. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting game. And that's part of the fun of bowl games. I mean, do do you remember the twenty twenty one game where there were just a lot of guys playing? Where you Elijah like, Cannon? Wow, it's dog. But it was just like I, I think that that's part of the fun of bowl games is you see guys and you always will have you know somebody who doesn't play a lot that gets picked on a lot and just gets bullied. But you also will always have someone that has the game of their life that has not played. And you just hope that that does not happen for the Maryland backup quarterback. Luckily, I checked. Max Johnson is not on the roster at Maryland because Max Johnson or his brother or his cousin. Max Johnson as a backup quarterback is Auburn's kryptonite. He plays out of his mind every time. And if you remember, you know, obviously everyone remembers Texas A&M this year. Go back 2020 Auburn LSU. And just watch from when Max Johnson comes. Watch what Auburn does to TJ Finley and LSU for three quarters. Watch what Max Johnson does to Auburn, and you will be appalled at how he just destroys us. But 
regardless, we'll we'll be back in a couple days breaking down Maryland a little bit more, talking about, you know, maybe actual matchups, a little bit of what we expect to see from from our side about who's gonna play. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, for, for those that are wondering, we're have the the Cowboys Dolphins game pulled up and somebody just pulled CeeDee Lamb's pants down and Noble thought it was hilarious. Regardless, no, we saw a butt. <laughs> we'll be back in a couple of days. And, you know, we thank you guys so much for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.